All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. Usually I would have Norman G. with me, but he is in Paris still. Uh, but I have a wonderful guest, Jane Centerfani. Is that right? Centerfanti. Centerfanti. Yes. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get the uh, Italian. I gotta get the, the Italian pronunciation right. But Jane Centerfani, um, and you and I had worked with Off Broadway West. Yes, yes, we did on a few shows. Yeah. Uh, last show being the birthday party three years ago, Harold Pinter play. That's right. Uh, great show. Great cast. Um, that's Great right. stage manager. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Came in at the last moment. Yeah, no, I had I had fun, and uh, I think you were also just a little bit involved, not as a uh, as an actor, but uh, lifetimes three. I think you helped us. I don't know sets, costumes, or something I like did. that. Yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah. It was four years ago. I'm trying to think. The old memories, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> The yeah, aging process, man. I know. Uh, yeah, no, I did some stuff on on Lifetimes three, so yeah, it's just hard to believe where the time has gone. And then the year before that, I was involved with uh, another Pinter play, mm-hmm. um, uh, Betrayal. Okay, was that also with Off Broadway West? That was Off Broadway West, yes, and I was in that as well. Yeah, so. boy, the harders. I mean, well, Richard loves uh, Harold Pinter, and oh, uh, he does such fantastic work. As a matter of fact, the birthday party it won. Uh, a TBA award. It did. It did. We were uh, actually was up for a, quite a lot of awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sally Morris, who played the, she was the female lead. She won uh, best best actress, best, best actress. Yeah, yes. we had her on the yay, and uh, so Celia is fantastic. Yeah, she's great. And Graham Cowley, Crowley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he was up for support. I think supporting supporting actor. actor? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did and, fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was just great. It was all. Great cast, Keith Berkland mm-hmm. and Jessica Risco and Adam yeah, Simpson. Adam Simpson so, yeah. yeah, it was great. Everyone was fun to work with. We had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of those shows, one of those experiences you did not want it to end. You I wanted know. to keep going. I know. And it was such a small cast, but it's such a – I find that sometimes a big cast, you know, let's say usually with musicals, there's so many people. Matter of fact, we there was, did a production. You and I were talking about Lauren Grace. Mm-hmm. So we did Othello, and Othello had such a big cast. It's hard to have the sort of intimacy that you have with scene partners or whatever Absolutely. with a big cast. A smaller cast, you really you can really um, have the connection that you need to Absolutely. make your characters pop. Yeah, and I think sometimes with a bigger cast, you, you're just managing so many different personalities. I've done shows where sure. it's, it's, it's kind of difficult because people tend to clash. You're around each other mm-hmm. so much with the rehearsal process and then the show and – you know, it's sort of like a dysfunctional family at times. Uh, you start to get be. on each other's nerves. Uh, yeah. You know, and if you, tempers well, flare. And, sure, you know, sure. You try to keep it, you know, mm-hmm. the show is the most important thing, and that's the production. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, the birthday party was great. At Phoenix Theater, is, it's an awesome space. It's yeah, and Lydia Shrevet does a fantastic job. Yeah, we had her on the A as well. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, she's sweet. I've yeah. known her a long time. So yeah. yeah. And it's just amazing. We were talking about how – you know, she's been in the business for such a long time and, uh, you know, I think over 30 years. And the Phoenix, you know, at first it was at the Geary. It was on Geary Street. Yes. Matter of fact, I think she had two th- uh, theaters on Geary Street and then she moved to Mason. And I uh, believe, yes, I believe you are correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's amazing how uh, she's is, has continued on and how so many theater productions have pro- flourished. Have evolved, yeah, uh, evolved from, mm-hmm. from her as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. But like we were saying, I mean, the, the Bay Area theater community is just – it's really small. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I won't say it's incestuous, but it's it's. Uh, well, I mean, if you don't if you don't know someone from, especially someone who's been around in the Bay Area, someone knows someone absolutely. like you and I. You know, you and I have known each other for a while. I had no idea you knew Lauren Grace. Correct. And I've known her since uh, 2001. Isn't Facebook wonderful? You go on Facebook, yeah, exactly. You can see, like, hey, wait a minute, they know. Oh, I better watch what I say about that person. Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> no, Lauren. Lauren's super sweet. You know, she's married now with two kids. Lives in San Diego. So. Yeah, I was talking to Lauren because I wanted her to be on the show, but I didn't realize she was away. And it's a shame that she hasn't been back on the stage because you know she was a fantastic presence. You know, I never saw her act. Is that right? Yeah, I never saw her act. How I do you met know her? her? Well, I met her through my former girlfriend Sylvia. Yeah, another Bay Area actress. Yeah, Sylvia Burbrook. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, who I met at Lifetimes Four. Yeah. Um, Lifetimes Three. Yeah. Lifetimes Three. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, well, four people, but right. Um, yeah, so that's how I met Lauren. Yeah, and what uh, a connection. Lauren's yeah. super cool, and she comes up here every once in a while. So yeah. you should message her. You know, maybe it's the next time she's in the Bay Area, she. I will. I'll send her show. a message again because uh, I usually don't do the show via phone. Right. A lot of folks do Skype, but you have to ask the other person to do Skype, and it's just a lot of work. Yeah, and it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it's more nicer when uh, it's much more nice when you're here. That's right. You know, I can look at people and all that sort exactly. of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So usually Norman and I we talk about current events. He's not around, but there's been a lot of stuff going on. Mm. We, you and I talked about Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg last week, you know, had his Testified little thing in front of the Senate. In front of the Senate and in front of the House, got a little bit of a grilling. Um, some it, it can be a little bit. I mean, he did. I guess we, as as uh, consumers of not even consumers, but as users of Facebook and all, all sorts of social media, they say if you don't know who the product is, you are the product. Correct. <laughs> so our stuff is being sold. What do you think about? I guess social media or whatever. I'm sure you remember a time where there was no social media at all. Well. It's interesting. I use it. Mm -hmm. And really, actually, oddly enough, I primarily go on Facebook. It mm -hmm. started out for me nine, ten years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. A friend of mine had posted some pictures on mm -hmm. Facebook. Yeah. And he said, well, here's a link to this app. Go on there and you can see my pictures. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, what is this? Yeah. And I think this is around 07, 08. Right. And uh, so finally I kind of went on and did it. But it's nice because I, I enjoy because I like to see friends that I grew up with sure. or went to school with to see their families, yeah. pictures of their children. And you also whatnot. have a business. Do you use it for business? I, I do use it for my business purposes. Um, quite frankly, I don't know if I'd be on Facebook if it weren't for my business just because there's just so much stuff that people put out there um, regarding politics, be it. No matter what what side of the fence sure, you're on, sure. it's just it, it, it's just not enjoyable sometimes. I yeah. like to go in there, but believe it or not, really one of the main reasons I like to go on there is I read the news. Yeah, I can that's see right. MSNBC, CNN, yeah. Fox, BBC. Um, dare I say it, Al Jazeera? Sure, but there, sure. there's different, you know, there's different facets, and I like to read the different, you know, news outlets. Yeah, it, isn't it amazing how uh, Norman and I've talked about this a lot, where once upon a time, you could just l listen to Walter Cronkite, mm -hmm. and you can get everything and not not uh, have any questions about what you're getting because you had trust that the news would vet itself out. Absolutely. Or if it weren't Walter Cronkite, it would be, I don't know, Frank Reynolds or Mac Robinson or, you know, some, you know, um, or the newspaper of record, let's say the Washington Post or the New York Times, and that would be it. Nowadays, I have to go on several outlets to make sure, okay, am I getting – 
what's true and accurate, or is someone else going to say something else? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I. I but again, with the social media, like, I don't know. It's. I think a lot of people use it to put stuff out there that really shouldn't be out there. Sure. Uh, you see things that people put out there, and you think, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing?" Right. Um. I also use Instagram for my business. I kind of actually prefer the Instagram platform mm -hmm. as opposed as opposed to Facebook. Yeah. Um. And I enjoy actually looking at pictures. So mm -hmm. I, yeah. I like seeing the pictures. The whole selfie thing. I'm not really. That's not my sure thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older and <laughs> curmudgeonly. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know for myself, there's so much stuff out there. Like, you know, I thought that Facebook was the coolest thing, and now the young kids are like, no, 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 no. We don't use that anymore. Well, there's all these other <laughs> things that I've never heard of, and, you know, yeah. uh, gosh, they don't even pop in my brain right now. But Yeah, I'll, I'll, all I can think about is Snapchat yeah, and Snapchat Instagram. And, yeah, Snapchat. Yeah. So I, I'm still stuck. I'm old school, so I'm still stuck with Facebook <laughs> right. and Instagram, yeah. you know? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about the – so another thing that happened this past week was, of course, the uh, the Starbucks mm -hmm. uh, arrest. In Philadelphia, yes. Yeah. I did see that. Right, exactly. Yeah, two black men uh, basically just waiting for uh, for business um, associate to come. Who is actually, I believe, white. It was a Caucasian gentleman. That's right. And mm -hmm. it, it raised this whole furor. Yeah, I mean, we're having some real issues in this country. Yeah. In a lot of respects, we've taken a step back. Unfortunately. Uh, sadly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think it's because of Trump, or do you think it's always been there? I mean, you did have I, the, I definitely um, the think Tea Parties. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely been there. I think with Trump, it's brought it more to the forefront, where yeah. people think they can start to do things uh, – Whereas maybe they were more anonymous before. Sure. Now they're more out in the forefront. Yeah. And in some respects, maybe that's good because we know the beast that we need to deal with. Sure. In some respects. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Boston. I know you're from the D.C. area. That's so right. we're both East Coast guys. Yeah. And we both grew up in cities that definitely had race issues. Sure. Um, Especially in Boston. I visited Boston, and it's interesting I know Boston has has had a bit of a history with race tensions or whatever. It's fascinating you mentioned, you know, if you go to the Deep South, they'll tell you straight in your face. Right. Nigga, get out of my face and all that sure. sort of stuff. In the North, it's a little bit nuanced. Uh, and, of course, you have cities that are older than the United States of America itself. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely I know uh, growing up in Boston, um, being a, a product of the 70s, Yeah, growing up in the 70s, um, for grade school and, and junior high. Um, yeah, there was definitely uh, – I mean, I grew up pretty much an all-white neighborhood. Wow, yeah. And, and the thing was, mm -hmm. if you saw um, a black person, yeah, you called the police. Interesting. And it, it's – you look back and you think, wow, but you didn't know any different, you know? Sure. Um, and I've never actually really thought about that until – Really, just now. Yeah. And I have friends from all walks of life. Yeah. Especially since I came out, you know, mm -hmm. San Francisco, and then when I was in New York acting. Yeah. You know, in the theater world, you make friends with with people from every gender, race, right. everything. Yeah. And because if you don't get along with people, then that's not the business you should be doing. Right. Exactly. How are you going to make it on yeah, stage exactly. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that growing up in Boston. Mm -hmm. It was – there's part pockets of Boston you could go to, and people throw the N-word around. And sure. you're like, wow, 
in this day and age. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's no it's a it's a lot it's very similar. I know that Boston and New York are very different and you know, we can get into Yankees and Red Sox and how there's this uh rivalry within the both cities. But I remember going to NYU and um I went during the time I went during uh eighty seven to ninety one and I spent another year in, in New York. But it was around the time of Yusuf Hawkins, mm-hmm. uh, Tawana Brawley, uh, Bernard Getz, the Central Park Five, uh, the Yusuf Hawkins. I bring that up um, uh, on a, lot, a couple of the other podcasts where there was a black kid who was mistaken for another black kid who had dated an Italian girl. Yes, I do recall that. And uh, the boys were like, hey, you know, we're going to kick this dude's butt. Right. And But they got the wrong black guy. But – it was um, inherent. Was that was going that on. was a, the 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 kid they chased along mm-hmm. out in Brooklyn? They chased him, I think, along the uh, yeah. He they parkway. caught him at a um, at a um, I think it was a gas station. Yeah, and they just beat him with. I think they had bats. Yeah, yeah. And then there was there was a retaliation. I think in Crown Heights. Yeah. against some Hasidic Jews. Sure. I mean, it was just. I remember in the early nineties, there was just things. Spouting off, and then Al mm-hmm. Sharpton. That's when he started to come to. That's the exactly right. Tawana Brawley with Tawana Brawley. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think race relations have taken a, a step back. Yeah, um, sadly. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, um, when I think about conservatives, um, you know, there used to be a thing called the Rockefeller Republicans, where let's say if you were a Republican, you didn't necessarily have to be racist. You didn't have to be homophobic Correct. or even misogynist. You were just about, hey, listen, I'm concerned about the money. Don't interfere with my business. They were anti-regulation, anti-taxes. Um, um, but these are things that you can debate about. Absolutely. Um, but, of course, you know, in 68, I know we're getting into history, um, but in 68 – you had antebellum Southern Democrats turn and vote Republican and vote for Nixon. Right. And all of a sudden you have the religious right. And now the Republican Party has taken, you know, a darker turn where it's all about, you know, God's gun and gays, what have you. And it's I think it's the foundation of the Tea Partiers and now the alt-right, I guess what we're calling it right now. Um, we can, I mean, we sort of get into an origin story, but, you know, with your family growing up, I mean, were they – were they conservative? Um, my dad was conservative. Again, my dad was a product of the Depression. Yeah. So my dad grew up pretty hard scrabble mm. life. Yeah. Son of Italian immigrants. Yeah. Um, they didn't speak Italian. Um, excuse me. They didn't speak only Italian in the house. Yeah. But outside, they spoke English because, you know, it's funny. People say to me, well, how come you don't speak Italian? I said, well, you know, really back when my dad – when he was growing up, yeah. it was really important mm-hmm. for people to uh, get acclimated mm-hmm. to the, where they're living. Sure. So they didn't speak in Italian Yeah. Uh, at home. And he, he was born in Italy. He, he no, my dad it? was born in the U.S. Got my it, dad okay. was born in, in, in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, okay. which is where I was born. Yeah. Uh, but my grandparents, when they came over, they settled in Philadelphia. Okay. And then they went up to Boston. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a tough year this year with the New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles because <laughs> I have family in Philly. Well, you guys but. have had so many. I mean, honestly, <laughs> am I going to cry that you guys didn't get a six ring? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I did. I did. But um, I think – so uh, my dad was um, – my dad was always voted Republican, but he wasn't a hard 
liner. He was just more conservative. He had been in the service. Yeah. He had been did military service for seven years. He was in World War II. Then he served in Korea. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, my parents got married in '53. So things were a lot different. My mom was from New Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, my her family was more democratic. But again, my dad was not a. Um, my dad was not a. Uh, he was just more conservative. Sure. But he was not. I wouldn't say. When you think of a Republican today, yeah. my dad would, you know, Trump would not have been a guy sure. my dad. I think the last Republican my dad voted for was was um, Bush Sr. Okay. And, uh, and that would strike me as a moderate conservative. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and in fact, it's funny. I'll tell you an interesting story. So mm-hmm. Tip O'Neill, who used to be Speaker, right, former speaker yeah. of the House, yeah. right. So he was from Cambridge, Mass. Mm-hmm. So when he was starting out, my dad was really – Good friends with Tip's brother-in-law. Yeah. Now, Tip was a Democrat, right? Uh, he was. Yeah. Big time, yes. Um, conservative Democrat, though. Right. But uh, so back in the day when Tip was starting out, my grandfather mm-hmm. took him around to all the English uh, – to all the Italian-speaking households to yeah. get the vote when he was starting out his political career in the 40s. Right. So he actually was a pretty close family friend. Wow. And uh, that's, that's yeah, fantastic. That's, yeah, that's history. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty amazing. And here's this guy that's, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, and he's one step or mm-hmm. one step away from being president. And God forbid something <laughs> happens. That's exactly second right. Step. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that your dad was a moderate uh, Republican, despite being in Massachusetts, where, I mean, it's Kennedy. Well, he here's, the, Kennedy here's the crazy thing. Most of my friends that I've grown up with, yeah. no one liked Kennedy's. Interesting. And they're all Republican. Fascinating. Who knows? I, I can't explain it. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because most people you talk to in yeah. the Boston area yeah. didn't really like the Kennedys, but they seem to be elected all the time. Yeah. But Ted Kennedy did a lot, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of his, you know, if you go back in time, yeah, uh, 70s, 80s, you know, whether you were a Democrat or a Republican, mm-hmm. people that were in the Congress and Senate, yeah. they worked for a common good. That's they exactly worked right. for a common goal yeah. for the United States. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. Right. You know, yeah. Bob Dole, who was a hard, hard, wing, a hard right wing sure. Republican or mm-hmm. considered not really compared to what right we have today. today. Right. Exactly. But these guys, they had served in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the senator from from Hawaii, um, Dan and Dan, 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 yeah. yeah, who was a Democrat, right? But they all worked together, right? There wasn't that vitriol now that we have, right. where It's just spewing, just mm-hmm. really nastiness to right. people, right? And on both sides, really, sure. quite frankly, sure, not just you know, yeah. Um, Republican to Democrat, it's it's both ways. Yeah, it's it's a shame how it and, is, now, and it's hopefully. really taken yeah. on this toxic um, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, and to kind of go back to the Facebook, sure, you see that it's yeah. like it's almost you're afraid to comment on something, right? No matter what your feeling is, because yeah. people just respond with such anger and and, and derisiveness. Yeah. it's it's really it's. <clears throat> it's, it's sad. Either, it's, it's, it's really it's sad. either you're with us or against us. You know, you, you cannot it, take a middle ground. Right. And, and it's that way from the Republican perspective, and it's also become that way from the Democratic perspective. Sure. I've always pretty – I'm a registered independent, yeah. so I just vote, you know, 
the candidate that I think is going to mm-hmm. best represent what I believe in. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, he's a pretty interesting guy. I mean, it's uh, – what, what amazes me about Donald Trump – well, really what amazes me about Republicans, no matter what he says out of his mouth, I mean, I remember him saying, hey, I can shoot someone in the middle of the street and they'll still vote for me. And I'll be damned if it wasn't true. I mean, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you think to yourself, you say, what could this man do or say? Yeah. You know, it was almost like it was a PR stunt that Mm -hmm. he was running for president. Yeah. That, hey, I want to do this as a lark. I've done everything else. I've built all these ginormous buildings Mm -hmm. and I've had the TV show, The Apprentice and books and this. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I'm never going to win. I'm going to say the most outrageous, crazy Mm -hmm. nonsense that people have ever heard. Yeah. Who's going to vote for me? Yeah. But then he started winning primaries. Right. And I think what happened, if especially because a lot of my friends voted for him. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. My friends are not racist. Yeah. They're not homophobic. Mm -hmm. They're not any of the things that you would think a Trump voter is. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have one of my brothers voted for Trump. Um, and, I, and I asked them, what made you vote? Yeah. And they all said the same thing. Wanted a change. They wanted a change. They wanted a change. Mm-hmm. I, I think now they look back and they realize the guy's a buffoon. Yeah. You know, he just says some things that sure. are just really out there. Yeah. But it's become this um, – this, this, the world that we live in now is just totally different from what we grew up in. Sure. And it's almost like I feel bad for kids that are growing up with this because yeah. we have just become this really nasty, mm-hmm. um, really uncivil towards each other in just day-to-day discourse. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny talking once again about Facebook. Everyone has a microphone, you know, the proverbial microphone, you know, Correct. everyone's voice gets heard. We all have a soapbox. We all have a platform. Yeah. And although that may sound wonderful and, and idyllic, it becomes a problem when you don't have, take responsibility Absolutely. for what you say. Sure, sure. And uh, all of a sudden you have the noise and, you know, people respond to everything. I mean, you know, one of the one of the fascinating things about Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is, let's say you make a comment, someone has a negative res- response to it. And then you have to respond. I'm like, why do I care if someone has a something negative to say about me? Right, right. Why do I need to respond to it? Why do I need to react to it? And I think that's – that's it gives you a great um, crossfeed of America. If you ever read articles on Facebook and mm-hmm. then you go to the comments, yeah. and they'll say it'd be 12,000 sure, comments. Sure, sure. Don't read them all, of yeah. course, but – you scroll through them, and yeah. this one's for this, and this one's against that. Yeah. And then they get nasty with each other. Sure. Then they got to go to that person's profile and say, well, you're this and that. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just yeah. really – you know, and I'm like, wow, this is what we've uh, what we've dissolved into. Yeah. Just, it's become political football. It's become, you know, us versus them, Alabama versus Auburn. Or, Absolutely. You know, Yankees, Red Sox. And Absolutely. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, the, the issues – Become completely lost. Absolutely, yeah. and it's it's really a sad, and it's it's a shame that uh, that that's the direction the country's gone in. Yeah. Do I think a lot of it has to do with Trump? Probably so, because I don't really believe. Well, I also do think when Barack was president, uh, there was that segment that just didn't want a black president. Right. And it was always funny because you would say, "Well, 
And the first thing out of their mouth was, well, I'm not racist, but, but – <laughs> Right. I always found that kind of humorous. Yeah. And it, it's – before we get into an origin story, because I want to, you know, find out, you know, what got you into theater and all this sort of stuff. Sure. But, you know, back in 2002 or three or whatever, you had um, Schwarzenegger – Becoming yes. the governor of California, and that was becomes Gray Davis, you know. The governor. Yeah, exactly, the governor. Gray Davis, you know, really screwed up, and yet the Enron situation, and people wanted to change, and Daniel Issa took a, mm-hmm. it took that advantage of that and put Schwarzenegger on the ballot. Boom, he became elected. Then you have in Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. Correct. Matter of fact, that may have happened beforehand. I'm not sure. Jesse right. became pres- uh, governor, governor of beef. Probably 99, 98, 99. Yeah. 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 And that was sort of the same way as Trump, where he's like, well, let me just throw my hat in in the ring. And everyone was sort of tired of the same old, same old, the same old politician. I'm sure people were voted for uh, Jesse Ventura like, well, what the hell? Let me just see. Well, you know the old saying, Reg, mm-hmm. be careful what you wish for. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I don't know how much damage Jesse Ventura did. But what I'm saying, the trend now, should we have been even surprised that Trump got elected? I mean, no. And, you know, then there was the thing. Uh, I think Oprah gave a speech at one of the award shows. Yeah. And everyone said, well, Oprah should run for president. I remember that. And I thought, you know, we're getting the people that are celebrities that that are well-known mouthpieces. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different animal to go into politics. Of course. My brother-in-law's was a politician in, mm-hmm. in Boston, in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And he's run on the national level as well, um, state and national. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's – and he he's a Democrat. Yeah. Um, but it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's just – it's it's dirty. can be sure. dirty. Sure, um, But it's just not – you can't just jump into it. Right. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because you're a well-known person mm-hmm. or, you know, everyone says, well, so-and-so should run. Or I don't know if it was Michael Jordan or something. I heard some big sports figure. Well, I heard that Mike Ditka, when I remember when Barack Obama ran as a senator for yes. um, Illinois. Illinois. Um, I think it was because somebody had dropped out. But in any case, um, people were petitioning Mike Ditka. He should run because they were so, oh, my God, please don't. We don't want to have a black senator. Uh, and Ditka was like, nope. You know, can't do it. And right. then they bust in Alan Keyes from right. from uh, Maryland, uh, the black Republican, and that didn't happen. And, of course, he became senator, and, of course, he became president. Correct. Barack Obama, yeah. Correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I think Alan Keyes also ran for president. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. always running, yeah. 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 I think I might run one of these <laughs> days, you know? But the thing I appreciated about Barack Obama was that he was a um, – he, he um, as well as being a law professor – but he was an activist. He he he, um, he was a what do they call it when you're on the streets and you're helping on social. He was a social. He, he had, it seemed like he had been involved in politics really all of his life. He wanted to help out people, and he came. And he at least came into the race with some solutions, and at least a um, perhaps it was Pollyannish. But he really wanted peace and hope and equality for everyone. He expected Congress to feel the same way. Of course, they didn't. Uh, he, you know, pushed in the Affordable Health Care Act, you know, in the first two years when he had a supermajority and people got the conservatives got pissed off by that. Correct. But at least you had a politician who cared and who had some answers. And I mean, the one problems that I have with Trump is he's never been a public servant 
any time in his life up Correct. to now. Correct. And, you know, and again, I voted for Barack uh, both times. Um, did he make mistakes? Absolutely. Sure. Did he do some great things? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Has Trump done some, a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. Has he done some things that are pretty good? Yeah. I, I don't know offhand what they are, but mm -hmm. he has. I mean, every president is going to do, but I think with Barack, it was it was a little bit more dignified sure. having him in the White House sure. as opposed to mm -hmm. Trump, Donald Trump being in the White House. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's just, it's almost like he's the petulant child. If he doesn't get his way, That's right. I'm taking my ball yeah. and I'm going home. Yeah. And the heck with the rest of you. And why should we? Why should we expect anything less of Donald Trump? I mean, he's always been rich from before he was Correct. Even born. Correct. This is part of his mentality. He's 70 years old. Right. Do you know of a 70 year old that would change? No. But it was really funny <laughs> yeah. when when he won. Mm -hmm. uh, someone said to me, they said, "Well, you know, this country was founded basically uh, and run by rich white guys, mm -hmm. and that's." Kind of where we're back well, almost again. Well, sure. Um, but, you know, um, when I think about Washington and Jefferson and um, what's the guy on the $10 bill? Hamilton. Hamilton. They had rich debates about Correct. where America was going to be. Well, they were be. patriots. That's right. You know, they, yeah. were, they were patriots. You know, it's kind of funny when you, you say Roosevelt, Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, Washington. Yeah. Um, Adam, Kennedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. Sure. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's really, really crazy. I mean, who'd ever thought that you'd look back and say, gee, George Bush wasn't really that bad. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and and the, the thing about George Bush is, yeah. sure, he did a lot of stuff that was not good. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, George Bush was came across as a pretty decent person. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, to me, doesn't come across like that. Donald Trump doesn't strike me as the kind of guy I want to sit down yeah. who would want to have a beer. Yeah. George Bush, for all his Bushisms mm -hmm. or whatever, yeah. um, I think at the end he still was – he's a decent human being. Mm -hmm. um, and his father the same. I mean, you know, yeah. they're rich white guys. Sure. But well, I mean, one of the traits of politicians, at least up till Trump, is that they try to work – they try to gain the public trust. Correct. You know, like the the beer summits or whatever. I remember Hillary, you know, when she was campaigning, hey, you know, let me go to a bar and have a beer with folks. And it seemed a little strange, like, okay, come on. We right. know you're not going to have a beer. But you can expect George W. to have a beer with you or something like that right. because he really Even Barack to. Obama. Well, sure, even Obama, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. And you don't expect that from Trump because he never had to and right. what have you. Let's get into an origin story. Uh, tell me how you grow up. You um, did you you weren't an only child. You had some, some yeah, you have siblings. three siblings, uh, two older brothers, older sister. Mm -hmm. um, grew up just just outside of Boston, seven miles west, and uh, went to college in Rhode Island, Providence College. Did you go for theater? No, I actually went for sociology. I was planning to go into law enforcement. You know, I fascinating. Yeah. I, I took a sociology class when I was at NYU, and it was really fascinating. I mean, that's the it's studying psychology studies a person individually. Sociology mm -hmm. studies a group of people, a Correct. society. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, and I got out of school. I was kind of, uh, like I said, I was going to go into law enforcement. Uh, that was my, my goal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started working at New England Telephone in Boston. Hmm. And I was doing myriad of different uh duties yeah 
And uh, I had always, it was funny, I'd always thought about acting. But then I thought, well, I don't know if that's something I could do, you know? I mean, mm. it wasn't, you just didn't think, like, I could do that. I mean, I thought I could do that, but then you think, I can't do that. Sure. Did you do any acting when you were a kid? Like, let's say, I don't know, like, no. uh, high school stuff? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was a musician. I played drums. All right. I played drums since I was in the fifth grade. So Cool. Uh, did I you, you work in bands? Yeah, you were. I, I played in bands, high school and bands. Not like independent stuff, but yeah. just school bands. Sure. Um, and then, uh, then when I was in college, I had an interest in. We had actually. It's turned out Providence College has a really great theater, Blackfire Theater. Mm-hmm. Now they've had this beautiful, beautiful theater that got built. I don't know in the last six, seven, ten years. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really take any theater classes in college. I, you know, I kind of grew up with the thing was. You go to school, mm-hmm. get a job, yeah. You get your pension, yep. And you know, you buy a house, and you know, then you get, you know, you work and right. Your family. Right. I didn't do any of that. Yeah. You know, um, so I, when I got out of college, like I said, I worked with uh, New England Telephone. I was, it was my dad and I. I was living with my dad. My mom died when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, all my siblings they were out of the house by then. Were you married. the youngest? I am. Okay. I am the youngest. Yeah. And uh, and then I, I took a commercial acting class in Boston, I think 1990, 91. Okay. And I really enjoyed it. Mm. And it was a lot of fun. I got up in front of the camera, on-camera technique and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but uh, it was fun. You know, you get your copy and you rehearse it. And mm-hmm. Actually, a couple of times I think I you had to work with scene partners. It would be like a mm-hmm. two-person uh, scene, commercial scene. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. Didn't really do too much with it. And then um, I, I went down to New York, and I met with this woman. I was going to start taking some acting classes in New York, and then that just didn't pan out. And then I moved out to uh, to the Bay Area, to uh, the South Bay, mm-hmm. uh, Sunnyvale in 92 with one of my best friends from, mm-hmm. from college and still to this day. And um, I read about Gene Shelton acting, mm-hmm. Actors Lab yeah. in San Francisco. I don't know. It was So I went there in 93. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I w- they're located on Sutter. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. And I got cold feet, and I turned around and walked out. Hmm. And I didn't do anything about it for a year. Yeah. And I said, all right, go back. Yeah. And I did almost a year to the day. Mm-hmm. And I went back, mm-hmm. signed up, and I took uh, tech classes, tech technique one, technique mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. technique three. And then uh, I moved on, and I started studying with Gene for scene study classes mm-hmm. and doing script analysis. Yeah. And I did that. I studied um, with her, gosh, from 94 till 97. Yeah. Straight through. Mm-hmm. And I started doing theater in 94. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with it. Wow. I, I just like the expression. Yeah. Uh, kind of a nice way to meet women. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us, you know, kind yeah. of we got, go into it for that too. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I met some great people who actually were friends to this day. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just I, – I, that became my passion, my love. Yeah. And um, 
So it got to the point I was still I was out here obviously and I'm living in San Francisco then uh, in the mid '90s. Yeah. And uh, I was working full time. And I was working at Cellular One, and then I was doing classes at night and auditioning. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then I got to the point in 97, I thought, you know, I really want to pursue this full time. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, either L.A. or New York. Yeah. And uh, I have some friends that were in New York and some friends in L.A. And uh, who's actually careers have really taken off mm-hmm. in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh in fact, Sam Rockwell, who just won wow. uh, Supporting Actor yeah. uh, Academy Award, yeah. is a friend of mine. Um, but I sat down and talked to some friends, and they were in New York. Sam was in New York. Another friend of mine, Eric Watson, who's mm-hmm. a producer. He did Pie, Requiem for a Dream, yeah. Black Swan, all those films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all in New York. So they're like, you know, they had done the L.A. thing, and they're like, man, you can go to L.A., but you know, dude, really, you should come out to New York. You're an East Coast guy. You're going to like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had been to New York a lot. Yeah. Uh, most of my friends from college were New York guys. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, I'm going to make the move to New York. I'm going to go out there and I'll get a bar uh, bar uh, attending gig or something. And mm-hmm. that was what I thought. And uh, so I moved to New York um, uh latter part of 1998, 20 years ago. Hard to believe. Yeah. And um, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I, I gave up my job. I, again, I was working in the corporate world here. I was yeah. in um, telecommunications. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's a guy that, you know, did basically corporate environment for 10, 11, 12 years. Yeah. And just went, you know, right. um, completely other, other way. Mm-hmm. So I moved to New York. I uh, had some money saved up. Um, Lived downtown, lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, started taking acting classes, was looking for a bartending gig. Fortunately, I, I found one, um, kind of really just BS my way into the into the job because mm-hmm. uh, I had never bartended, uh, except maybe open a beer for myself. <laughs> but yeah. uh, no, no, I yeah. just I worked my way into the job and it actually was really lucrative and I was doing quite well at it. Yeah. And I was auditioning. Um, it didn't go... Um, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Okay. And, um, you know, this is what I liken it to. This is how I explain it to people. Moving to New York, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. When I was out here, people would say, oh, you should go to New York. You got a great look, you know, very Italian ethnic look. Sure. Well, here's the thing. When I get to New York, and I remember I went to, to an open call for something. I walk in, there was 50 people in there, 50 guys. Yeah. And... um. 50 guys that, you know, pretty much had my kind of characteristics. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, guess I'm not in San Francisco anymore. Um, so, But I just started auditioning for different stuff, theater, um, small theater projects, mm-hmm. um, uh, just whatever, uh, submitting myself to all these different agents. And then I used to do these um, – my acting uh, coach, uh, this guy Bruce Ornstein, uh, who's actually – pretty well-known actor mm-hmm. and uh he was one of the travolta's pals in um in saturday night fever that mm-hmm. was his big claim uh-huh. but bruce was actually was a really good acting coach yeah and uh it was a small intimate class about six seven eight students maybe um and we would do showcases mm-hmm. at the producers club in manhattan on i think 44 so mm-hmm. different agents would come managers yeah. and stuff yeah. so i actually landed a manager uh through that uh they would send me out on stuff um, 
I, again, I just because there was so much going on in New York. You had Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think NYPD Blue was still good. So I just used to send my 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 headshots in and um, kind of try to BS my way to get into the casting office. Yeah, didn't always wasn't always successful. Mm-hmm. Any of the background because again, I always tell people. Do background. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean you're going to do it forever. Right. But right. you never know. I got yeah. upgraded a few times mm-hmm. for things. And that's how I got a SAG card, yeah. uh, which actually I don't keep up with anymore. But um, you just – you never know who you're going to meet. Sure. And that's what I would tell people is uh, definitely do the background stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't want to be doing it forever. Right. But it's starting out or mm-hmm. even if you're in it for a few years – just do it, yeah. Because you don't know who you're going to meet. Yeah. You might have a look. That's how I landed. A, I got a, um, I got a um, for the Sopranos. It turned out, mm-hmm. um, um, God, what's his name? The the director, uh, Timothy um, Can't think Van of Patten. Yeah, yeah. He actually picked my headshot out because I resembled someone that they used it was kind of a thing they had filmed in italy mm-hmm. and then they filmed it in new york yeah and i resembled someone that they had used in italy mm-hmm. so they ended up using me oh well, yeah and it was so kind of cool know. yeah yeah they know. just never knew yeah so um and it was really funny i remember telling people that uh i came back out here and i went to see some people i used to work with and I said, yeah. I said, I just did this show. This was back in November of 99. Yeah. I said, I just did this show called The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And they're like, really? What is that? They, some people thought they should thought it was a show about, like, opera. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then you know. Yeah. And it was really fu- funny because three, four, five years later, people were like, you know, you've been in New York. You really should, you know, maybe a couple years later after that. But they said. You really should try and get on that show, The Sopranos, <laughs> you know, because then it becomes sure. a household name. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah exactly. Um, no, New York was a pretty magical place to be, especially yeah. for an actor. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. It's funny. Norman G. had talked about, because we had talked about, hey, maybe we should, you know, uh, folks should go to L.A. or New York or, you know, why do people, there are some actors who prefer staying here in San Francisco. And he talked about how if you want to create, if you want to really get on stage and showcase yourself, like there are some folks who are in New York and they are, let's say, you know, they played on, you know, they got on a TV show where they were the butler or they were, you know, some non-speaking role or something like that. And Norman was saying how it's a shame if that's your only legacy, whereas you can, let's say, be here and build up a reputation for having done some stuff, actually having a role, speaking a role and building up yourself, is that a sort of a – could that be um, the draw to staying here or at least it, being it here for a little be. bit and to, you know, is, is to build up your resume? I was kind of – when I went to New York, I was like I wanted more. Sure. I wanted a bigger pond yeah. or a bigger ocean. Yeah. And this is what I basically tell people. So when I moved to New York in 98 mm-hmm. – Trying to forge an acting career in New York Mm -hmm. is like banging your head against a brick wall and hoping the brick wall gives way before your head cracks. Sure. And it was tough. It was an eye-opener. Yeah. Because New York actually became – it's tough. You know, there's that old saying, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Sure. And really after I think I was there to about eight months Mm – I almost came back here, mm-hmm. not permanently, but I was going to come back out here for like a month to work because 
I was having a struggle. It was a struggle for me. Sure, sure. Um, I was taking I was I was uh, taking acting uh, classes, mm-hmm. um, scene study classes. I was bartending, and then I got fired from that job because I was, you know, it was not the place for me. Yeah. And I thought, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to come out here. I had a plane ticket, come back. Yeah. And then I got a call from this guy I had met who was opening a bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, hey, um, liquor license came through. This has been like three months since I had met with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he goes, can you work tonight? And I said, tonight? And I'm like, yeah, sure. It was a Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up working at that bar from the day it opened until mm-hmm. the day we closed oh, nice. it. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was six years. And, yeah. and, and it was great. And I met a lot of great people through that who mm-hmm. I'm still friends with. Yeah. Um, but – then you start, you sort of start to get sidetracked because New York is so about um, survival. Sure. And that was my first year in New York was survival, mm-hmm. just trying to, like, mm-hmm. make day-to-day uh, living expenses. And the funny thing is, New York's, are, you know, it's, it's – I had an amazing apartment, a friend of mine um, that I rented it from. Mm-hmm. I lived in lower Manhattan in Soho and had this great place. And – New York can be a really lonely place. Mm-hmm. You know, most places can be, but believe it or not, New York, with all the happenings going yeah, around, that's right. it's that's one of amazing. the most loneliest places yeah. I've probably ever been in because <coughs> you're in your apartment, yeah. and I was nine floors up, yeah. and you hear all this stuff going on outside. Yeah. But you're either broke sure. or, you you know, things aren't going the way you expected them to go, and yeah. you're kind of like, oh, man, what am I doing? You know? Sure, Because sure. I had – always had full-time jobs and yeah uh i was you know used to having money mm-hmm. and, and things so that first year was, was quite a struggle but then things you know i persevered and, and started to take off yeah and then i got to know some different casting agents and sending things out yeah. and, and, and auditioning for stuff so you know i think to get back to your original question i think it's great i think as long as people are doing Something in acting mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's community theater, yeah, or if it's Broadway, off Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, off Broadway West. Sure, it doesn't matter if you're pursuing something that you enjoy doing that yeah. gives you fulfillment. Yeah, you know what? That's all that matters. Go ahead. I uh, know. I was just for me. I was pursuing it as a career. I wasn't pursuing it as a hobby. For me, it was mm-hmm. it was my passion, my career. Yeah. But then things, you know. Life takes funny turns, and yeah. one day I woke up, I was 40, and I said, well, gee, <laughs> yeah. this isn't going the way I thought. You know, yeah. I've been here almost eight years. So, Well, I mean, I, I tried doing it in New York, and this was like in the uh, the early 90s, and I found that a lot of my friends, like, you know, some of the folks that I graduated from at NYU, uh, Jesse Martin, who, of course, had right. an illustrious career uh, right. doing um, Law & Order. Law & Order, yeah. Um and a couple of friends, like uh, I have a friend, Paige French, who uh, when George Carlin was alive, he had a bit of a – he had a sitcom, mm-hmm. which I think only lasted one season, but she was a regular on that. Another friend, Ken Marino, he done – so I have, I've had some friends have some success. Uh, the biggest would be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Sure. Who, of course, was amazing. But a lot of my friends said, hey, my family took care of me. I had no money, and I just had you know some support, and that allowed me to audition and just spend all of my time focusing on that. There was no way I could do that. The one thing I liked about New York, I will say this, yeah. that you would see people. I used to see Sarah Jessica Parker. She lived across wow. the street from me. Yeah. So I used to see her all the time. Yeah. Um, 
and again, this is ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. And we'd be outside, and she'd bum <coughs> a cigarette off me, and we'd mm-hmm. sit there, have coffee, and we would just chat. Yeah. Just as neighbors. Yeah. You know, we weren't close friends, but sure. we were just, hey, oh, hey, what's up, and chit-chat yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I remember about four or five years later, I was doing this um, uh, Sex in the City, and I, she's looking at me. They were setting up for the scene, and she's looking at me, and and she's looking at me like, I know this guy. I know him. I don't know him. I, I know him, but right. I can't place right. him. Right. So finally I said, yeah, two Charlton Street. She's like, oh, yeah. And she gives me a hug and stuff. Super cool. Yeah. Um, but the thing in New York was you could pass people on the street, mm-hmm. and it was just they were your neighbors. Yeah. You didn't get starstruck. I used to see Willem Dafoe all the time. I'd wow. see Harvey yeah. Keitel. You just, you, you know, it was just like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You sit there in the supermarket and see them. Right. Do you find that the uh, the Bay Area theater community is more t- – like I always tell people that New York – and, of course, I'm, my memory of New York is pre-2000, pre-aughts. Um, yes, you had cult- you had diversity, but people were very culturally um, separated. Like we talked about some of the things, you know, Tawana Brawley and some of the, the things that happened. People were very isolated from each other. Communities are isolated. And you don't have that here in the Bay Area. Like, you can talk to actors. Like, I can talk to, you know, a friend of mine who's doing a show, I don't know, at the um, the um, flight deck. And mm-hmm. he can say, hey, I need you, you know, can you help me with this or whatever. You have communities that work with one another. I'm not sure if you had that in New York. Do you find that the community is a little different here in the Bay Area? You know, the uh, I don't know if I find it different. I will say this. I thought when I moved to New York, and this may be going a little bit off your what you're it's asking okay. but it's okay when i used to do i noticed there would be a lot of people they said they wanted to be an actor yeah and then you try to schedule scenes mm-hmm. and they'd flake mm. and i got to new york yeah and i thought people obviously this is serious this is yeah this is the I pinnacle hear you. i totally hear you yeah and the same thing happened yeah and interesting I thought, yeah and i thought wow this is new york yeah you know, I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't think that would be. You think they take it more seriously there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you definitely notice parallels. Uh, but just what you were saying, you know, I never mm-hmm. thought that about New York, what you were yeah. saying there. Um, and like I said, my memory of New York is 20-some-odd, more sure. than 20 years ago. Yeah. Sure. And for me, it's it's now become – it's 12 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's moving on, too. Um, but especially more when I was acting, it's becoming 15, 16 years ago in New yeah. York. Uh, no, I never really found that like that okay. to there. Yeah. Let me ask you about Off-Broadway West. Did you meet Richard Harder while you were taking classes with Gene Shelton? I did. I met Richard probably 95 or 96, yeah, about that. Okay. And uh, we hit it off. You know, again, being a New York guy, sure. me be Boston guy. That's and right. We used to like bust chops and stuff and have yeah. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a super, super sweet guy. Uh, great actor. Great director, mm-hmm. um, and just a really good person. Uh, so yeah, and then I went to New York, and we didn't really stay in touch that much. Mm-hmm. I think I saw him once in New York, and then when I came back out here, we got in touch again. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of years after I were I was back here, yeah, and uh, started hanging out. Then he asked me, you know, uh, if I wanted to do. I hadn't done any theater in a really long time because mm. when I was in New York, I was concentrating on yeah. on. Um, uh, on, the, uh, on film, film, yeah. film work and television stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I hadn't done theater in a really long time, yeah. and it's 
very, very different. Right. Extremely different. Yeah. And so he contacted me. He was back in San Francisco. It's probably 2013 now. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I'm doing Pinter mm-hmm. uh, birthday party. Uh, not birthday party, excuse me, uh, Betrayal. Yeah. And I knew the play. I had done some, a lot of scenes from it um, years ago, mm-hmm. and I really like his writing style. And it's actually it's very difficult. Uh, you either get Pinter or you don't. Right. And yeah. a lot of, it's not a very e- – he's not an easy playwright to, uh, to perform. Yeah. And uh, so he asked me, he goes, it's a small role, but he goes, we'll get you back on your feet, you know, in the theater. Because, again, it's very different. Sure. So it, I was, you know, had to mm-hmm. blow the the dust off the in the cobwebs and yeah. stuff. So, you know, it was a very small role, but how it was the, fun. How was the transition between going from film to theater? Because I've done it the opposite way. Like I've done a couple of shorts and like you know film. And I remember one director, a film director, was saying because I I'm a very physical actor, so sure. I you know do a lot of stuff, especially unfortunately musicals, because you're like hey. Hit it to the back of the stage. You know, there's somebody sitting in the 13,000th row. Make sure they see you and all that sort of stuff. And I remember one film director was like, hey, you know, your eyes are looking here. It should be looking here. <laughs> well, I noticed, like, when I, when I did, uh, when I did uh, 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 the birthday party. Sure. During the rehearsal, I was getting small a lot of times. And yeah. Richard kept saying, he goes, it's not film. Yeah. Because you're, you start, you know. Sure. Um, you think the mic is going to pick everything up while right, the camera is going to pick everything up. Right, you're back and stuff. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, working at the Phoenix Theater, it's so small and intimate. That's right. You can kind of pull off some of that stuff. Sure, sure. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a hard transition going back into it. Yeah. Because I started out doing theater, mm-hmm. then, you know, doing more film stuff. TV stuff, right? And then going back and trying to do theater. Yeah, theater is great because it's live. Sure. And you know it's fun. And I'm just not. I'm not big on the rehearsal process. <laughs> I'm kind of a lazy. Yeah. I'm a lazy actor. Yeah, well, you know, it's okay. I like like memorization. Is is it hard to memorize to get off book? Yes, it, for me it is. Because yeah. again, I'm a lazy actor. I just yeah. I hate saying that. And that's okay. Uh, but yeah, it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's techniques, obviously, and that w- it's really funny is when I first started taking acting classes and people used to say, God, I don't know how you remember lines. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's just there's ways you do it. You, you know, you go through, you read the play and mm-hmm. work sections of scenes mm-hmm. and, and you just you work on it and you do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it wasn't so much hard. But again, in, in TV and film stuff, you got to do the same thing. You, you have to know your lines. And mm-hmm. you're not – there's not a lot of rehearsal process. You know, you, right. you do there's a run-through yeah. of things yeah. and you work, you work uh, sections and, yeah. and whatnot. But, but I've noticed in theater your attention span has to be right there because you could be on stage for a half hour, even longer. You really – you know, this is what I tell people. Um, it was funny. I had this aha moment mm-hmm. when I started acting, when I started taking classes. And it wasn't probably till maybe – my fifth class, mm-hmm. I had done tech one, tech two, tech three, and I did scene study, and then I was probably in my second scene study class. Yeah. And I was sitting in class one night, and I sort of had this, oh, the <laughs> light bulb yeah. Don't, yeah. went off. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Yeah. And I think as actors, mm-hmm. we try to make it really difficult. Mm-hmm. Acting is really actually 
easy. But it's so easy, it's hard. Sure. It's hard to convey mm-hmm. because you're trying – you're being someone else. Yeah. It's all about listening. That's exactly Just right. like you and I are doing right now. That's right. I There's no script in front of me. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Right. And it's just listening mm-hmm. and reacting to you. Right. And you doing the same with me. That's and exactly that's all right. acting is. And being as honest about it is absolutely Absolutely. Possible. Being yeah. as real mm-hmm. and as honest and truthful as you can. Yeah. And then you bring in some mm-hmm. of your own experiences. Sure. And then, you know, you – mold that to to the to the the role you're playing yeah i remember doing a scene we were doing um before the dream this is a play about richard right now played the um the title character and i'm doing a scene work with uh, another person and i could tell the other person is just waiting for his lines and it just drove me absolutely crazy processing and And we all have done that i I know i have but that's the thing is just react Listen mm-hmm. and react. Right. And I tell people, don't worry about if you drop the line. You can't drop too many because you don't want to start sure. losing the whole right. context of where you are in the yeah. play. But as long as you're listening. Mm-hmm. Which requires focus. And focus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's why theater is is really mm-hmm. an amazing, um, amazing thing to go and see because yeah. especially if it's done well. Right. And, and all cylinders are flown. I mean, mm-hmm. I know – you know, you've done shows where mm-hmm. I remember working with someone that said the audience is like an oil painting. You know, they're just <laughs> looking at you. Yeah. But you've done shows yeah. where yeah. it's like you feel that energy. That's right. It's disjointed. Yeah. But yeah. then you've done shows where it's just mm-hmm. boom, like the time in birthday party when the chair broke. Yeah. I don't know if you were there. I, I think I'll, yeah, yeah. it'll have to be. Yeah. And it just – that was like the yeah. best show. Yeah. The energy just – because yeah. now I had a spontaneous happened and the actors have to react. Absolutely. To it. And I had to hold Adam up in that chair because yeah. when I put that chair down, I slammed it down so hard it broke yeah. the, 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 the front leg, the front right leg of it. Right. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. But it made it that much more of an intense experience. That was probably the best show yeah. we had done in that run yeah. because it made it that much more intense. Yeah. And I'm holding him up. So yeah. my intensity was more focus because sure. my focus was really on mm-hmm. I got to hold this guy up because he can't fall down. I can't let him fall down. The right, floor. exactly. We we had talked about um, we've had guests on the yay and we talk about because I'm always interested in how people learn either from school or from life. You know, there are a lot of folks who didn't take acting classes at all. They just learned right right there from life or from the stage about objectives. You know, we've talked about um, you don't just act sad or angry or whatever. You have a, f- a focus, focus, a goal, and like in the birthday party, you know, I think you were, I think you were a, a mob guy, right? Weren't you? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these yeah. typecasts, <laughs> and I'm like the nicest person, right? Exactly. <laughs> of course, you have an objective in the play, and of course, you may not meet the objective, but that what motivates and that what draws, you know, the emotion out of you. Right. Did you talk about? Uh, I'm sure you, uh, Gene Shelton focused on objectives. Well, that's what I was just going to say. That yeah. was the whole thing with Gene was always play your objective. Right. Just keep focused on your objective. Right. W- we all want something in life. Mm-hmm. Every day we have an objective. Right. You know, you want your objective is to do well in your job, so you get paid. That's right. You get a bonus. We all, believe it or not, mm-hmm. even though it might not seem like a an objective. Mm-hmm. We all have objectives sure. every day. Sure. Be it with your partner, yep. your spouse, whatever. Right. Um, and that was the thing. If you always keep 
focus on your objective, mm -hmm. your acting will come across. Forget the lines. Sure. I mean, don't forget the lines, but forget yeah. the lines. Remain focused. Mm -hmm. Know what the scene is about. And right. you'll find your way. I mean, we've all worked with people. You mm -hmm. forget lines. I've dropped lines. I'm sure you've dropped lines. Yeah. But you just kind of remember where you are, you focus, and yeah. it brings you back so you don't mm -hmm. lose. You know, there's nothing worse than going to see a play, mm -hmm. and it's always this because that energy level dips. People lose focus. Right. Yeah, well, the audience will lose focus if the actor loses sure. focus. And if you Absolutely. don't focus on your objectives, like there are a lot of folks who, let's say they haven't been involved in theater, and let's say they drop their lines. I remember we had a um, Susan Evans, who's a fantastic director, and she says, you know, when an actor loses their lines or there's one particular line that they always forget or flub, she says there's something psychologically going on that's not connecting the person to the line. Because usually if I'm focused on my objective, my lines will help me with my objective. And if I'm not focusing on the line, am I really focusing on the objective? Right. I wanted to ask you about uh, your relationship with the director. Like when you work with Richard, Richard Harder, like for the birthday party, let's say you may have as an actor your, what you believe the objective is. But let's say he's like, no, 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 I don't understand what you're doing. How is the interaction between you and the director? Uh, well, he's pretty good in the sense that he lets you, um, Rich is very flexible. He allows yeah. you to sort of do your he own thing. He allows you to come in with some ideas. Yeah. Uh, within the text of the script. Yeah. Of course. Um, have you guys had any like run-ins like he's saying, what are you doing? Or oh, you sure. say you don't understand what he's doing? Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, especially, you know, cause I hadn't done theater in a while, so you kind of like, what the heck is this guy doing? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, you know, I think being friends for so long, too, kind of enters into the equation. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a good director, and he just – I just let him – I let him direct. That's okay. his job. My yeah. job is to speak the words of the playwright. Mm -hmm. His job is to make sure I bring that across in the most truthful, mm -hmm. real manner. Yeah. And keep the cohesiveness of – the play together right um so yeah it's not really i, I never really tried to to buck the director just okay. because they're there they have a job to do sure you know why make it difficult for them yeah so i just i just kind of just you know go with the flow yeah if i if i say well this isn't working or this doesn't feel right yeah you know, then we might discuss it. Well, why doesn't it feel right, or what what's mm -hmm. going on that doesn't make you feel comfortable with this? Right. But I think uh, overall, I think you just you just just let the director do their the job. Yeah, yeah I their, hear you. Put your trust in the director. What do you, What do your parents think about you being an actor? I'm sure they were like, "Whoa, you were on the track of being." A cop. Yeah. Well, like I said, my mom died when I was a kid. Yeah. My dad, you know, it was funny when I started out doing it when I was in New York. Mm -hmm. um, it was. Well, I'll put it this way: When I started taking classes back in the '90s, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone in my family. Hmm. And then, um, and then I finally did. And then I said, "Well, I'm moving to New York." And my dad was like, "You know, hey, you know, I wasn't financially uh, dependent on him, so he was just basically, you know, if that's what you want to do, then go do it." Yeah. You know, I think he thought I was still crazy, <laughs> but, yeah. 
Uh, Has he seen any of your? Have you seen you in action? Did he see me? No, I don't. Maybe he saw a commercial one time years ago. Okay, I did a, like a regional Comcast commercial in New York, uh-huh. and I think I just I played it for him. Yeah, but no, no one really in my family because they're on the East Coast. So sure. Any theater I did in San Francisco, when I did more theater, yeah, no one really saw. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then stuff in New York, you know, film stuff. Yeah, they've seen some s- snippets here and there, but. No, and it's funny. I don't like watching myself either. I have a hard time doing that too. <laughs> I cannot watch myself because I'm critical. Yeah. I'll never forget. I did this one short when I first moved to New York. Yeah. And I was the lead. It was a friend of mine from my acting class, my friend Alan Linskoog. Yeah. And he, we did this. We shot it in my apartment, and then we shot down on the trains. Complete guerrilla filmmaking we shot it on the um the six train uh, one of the train two of the three train going downtown uh-huh. and we shot at wall street we shot right in front of the stock exchange oh wow in fact we had the cops come out because there was you know you weren't supposed to be filming we had no permits or anything like that uh-huh. but anyway believe it or not they put it to music this this um Film short, mm-hmm. short. This film got into like the New York Film Shorts oh, Festival. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, yeah. So now I gotta go to the the showing of these shorts. It yeah. was I forget where it was. Yeah, and and they had a little reception. It was so it was cool because uh, I was like the star of this movie. Yeah, and it was really cool because there were a lot of good looking girls there too. Yeah, so, nice, nice. Uh, that was nice, but it was just all of a sudden now I'm watching myself on this big screen, right. and I'm like. I just, it was, you, you, cause there's one scene where I yeah. have my shirt off. I'm getting up uh-huh. from bed and I got to get ready for work. I've been, I think I was a stockbroker yeah. and I just kind of lost it. And I just became this guy who just handed out paper flyers to mm, people. Mm. I think that was the name of it. The flyer guy, or I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, um, I was really critical. Of watching myself. Yeah, because I hear you. I had my shirt off and yeah. I wasn't really working out that much at the time. Sure. Um, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And then you just kind of – you're critical. I think we're just – we're overly critical of ourselves. Sure. I know I am. Yeah. Um, so you're watching it and you say, well, gee, maybe I could have done this differently or mm-hmm. I should have done this differently. But so, no, I don't really like watching myself. Yeah. Well, you, you, uh, you take – you have a director there who's going to correct things, and obviously, you know, if you weren't all that great, they wouldn't have hired you in the first place. Absolutely. So. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Confident. Yeah. But again, even with theater, because yeah. I know theater productions sure. get filmed, I, I, I just don't watch them. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're the same way, but. Yeah. Yeah, hardly ever. Uh, and it's also, my folks are on the East Coast as well, um, but it, it's tough. But uh, I say, you know, one of these days, because, you know, it, it doesn't take much for them to just jump on a plane and, and see you. But obviously, you got to get back on stage again. It's, it's been a while I know. It's you. three years. Yeah, I know. As I was saying when <laughs> I got here, it's been three years. It's Yeah. You know, it's just that's life. Yeah. Life kind of overtakes. And that's what happened to me in New York. Mm-hmm. Life, you know, you start to like, I got to make money. Right. That's it's right. New York. Gotta ma- I got to live. Right. Got to pay rent. I gotta pay. I gotta. And if gentrification is bad here. It's way bad over oh, there. Oh yeah, but yeah. you know, I think it's more expensive here in San Francisco. Is that right? And I mean, it's funny because I go into the city every day. Yeah. 
And every day I drive across that bridge, and I'm like, where did the city go? That's right. You know? Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. You've I'm been sure here you've seen a lot of quite oh, yeah. a long time. I remember before Moscone Center was built or before the uh, – And now they're putting a new thing. Center, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm not a tech guy. Yeah. Uh, I can turn my computer on and, and yeah. get online and stuff. But it's just – I mean, you were here before Willie Brown sort of came in. I came here in 92, yeah. yeah. And I so moved into the all. city in 95. Right. And now I'm in Oakland the last five years. And I love Oakland. Yeah. Oakland's just the best. Yeah. It's diverse. People are great. I've never had an issue. Yeah. San Francisco, it's funny. San Francisco has become this city of like really – you know, when I first came out here, it was a very accepting, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful, aesthetically beautiful, yeah. bohemian – City, right. That's why I got into the acting, and I always considered San Francisco home, right? Because for me, a lot of the experiences I had in life mm-hmm. that shaped me as a man, as a person, right, happened here in San Francisco. Yeah, and that's why I considered it. My, I, I used to tell people they'd say, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "Well, I grew up in Boston, but San Francisco's home." Right. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, and it's really sad because it was never like that. Yeah, and I used to, t- and this is what I tell people. It's become this soulless city. San Francisco is a city of character yep. and characters. Yeah. And that's been that's gone. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's never going to come back. It's completely void of any mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. It's just a, a place that people have so mm-hmm. you know had a really vibrant mm-hmm. theater scene. Yeah, that's right. Had a really vibrant mm-hmm. music scene. I remember going out to see live music, mm-hmm. going to see theater to friends in different shows. And yeah. It was great. And, yeah. You know, granted, a lot of it, too, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in my 20s, early, you know, early mm-hmm. 30s at that point. Yeah. But you're like, <clears throat> that's gone. Yeah. And. I always hope there will be a bubble. Uh, um, the bubble will burst, and you know, I don't know. Some of these tech folks will run out of money or whatever, and things will revert. I back. don't know. I mean, yeah. Y- you say, well, how much higher can prices go? Right. You know, and and that's it's really killed killed it for people here for artists because mm-hmm. you can't afford to live in the city. Yeah. Trying to do live theater in San Francisco. I remember going down to the half price tickets um, theater mm-hmm. um, uh, booth on Saturdays. Uh, is when I was doing stuff at Actors Theater of San Francisco or or uh, or the Shelton Theater. Yeah. You'd go down and sell tickets. We all had to do like an hour, or half hour, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was good times. You know, mm-hmm. it was like you just knew so many people in the theater community. Mm-hmm. Now, plus I was gone for so long. I don't really – you know, I do know some people, but not like I used to. Right. Um, some people left. Some people went to L.A. Some mm-hmm. people went to New York. Some yeah. people went to Chicago. Uh, some people just aren't acting anymore or mm-hmm. unfortunately passed on. Yeah. But uh, so my theater community world has gotten a lot smaller. Yeah. And I'm only, you know, I'm 52. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it used to be. Right. And like you go out and you go to see a different play on a Saturday. And I used to go to so much theater. Yeah. I don't go to any anymore. A, I don't have a lot of time, but mm-hmm. I just – I don't know anyone performing in something, mm-hmm. or there's just honestly a lot of bad theater. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. But again, yeah, I used to go to New York and mm-hmm. see theater mm-hmm. and smaller theaters. Yeah, and I see a lot of bad theater in New York. Yeah, well, I think what's happening now is you have a lot of because there's you know a lot of theater companies don't want to take chances with um, new stuff, but you'll see a lot of one act stuff written by new folks and. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good, and right. so there's some folks who are just coming out of school, trying out their new stuff, 
some stuff stuff is great, some stuff is not so great. Right. But they're at least trying some stuff. Uh, like uh, I don't know if you head out to the uh, the piano fight, but they have a lot it's of stuff there. But I know it. Yeah. And excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of theater going on. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you perform a play in your living room. Sure. For your friends. Yeah. Or you're doing uh, San Francisco Playhouse. Right. Or you're doing Broadway in New York. Right. You know, if mm-hmm. you're performing and that's what your passion, you enjoy doing it. Right. Go do it. Like you were saying earlier about, you know, um, we were talking about, and I said, you know, the community theater. It really doesn't matter. If, mm-hmm. if that's what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter the medium you're doing it in. Right. It doesn't matter you're a big star or mm-hmm. you're a nobody. Just go do it and have yeah. fun with it. If yeah. it's making your life enjoyable and you have fun doing it, by all means, go do it. Absolutely. That's what I look at. And we have hit the uh, – we're a little over the hour mark because you have to go somewhere too, Yes, right? I have to be back <laughs> into the city, unfortunately. I'm, I'm, today's yeah. like one of those days i got to be yeah. here, there, and everywhere. You enjoy yourself? Uh, this is – an amazing experience. Fantastic, I think man. you're doing an incredible thing here. Thank you. Thank I you really so much. do. I, uh, Spread the word, man. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, you know, you should have a ton of people on that I know. <laughs> yeah, well, let me know because I'm always looking for new. Yeah, no, this new, is great. Yeah, this especially is great. Lauren Grace. Uh, if you hit her up. In fact, you should have me and Harder on. You'll have, we'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> I got to bring him, him back on. Yeah. He, I think he and us, we last about an hour and a half. He did. He yeah. did. You have he and I on there, man. You, you, the ratings will skyrocket. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, I really appreciate it. I was, it. was honored you, that you asked me to be on it, really. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. no, it's great. Uh, so you don't have anything. Well, there's nothing really going there's on. There's nothing I can. Uh, yeah. well, what about your business? Uh, my business, TL Cafe and Laundromat, 517 O'Farrell Street. You got dirty laundry? Bring it by. I'll do it for you. Or Fan- you do it. Yeah. We'll, do you have uh, a link? I do. I have a Facebook page. Okay. So we'll, we'll reference the Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, TL Cafe and Laundromat. And right. also Instagram. Cool. Um, there's one show that I want to push before I um, sign off. Enchanted Evening, a musical theater review. That's happening at 7.30 p.m. April 21st at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. And I believe that's it. Yes, Enchanted Evening, that is it. And uh, hopefully next week we'll have Norman and we'll celebrate one year of the yay. Okay. (laughs) Okay, you can find the yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. That's that purple... um, icon that you probably never use uh well you're listening to it now but you can tell your friends you can also find the yay on itunes just click on itunes if you're using a desktop or a laptop click on store don't worry you're not going to buy anything use the search engine on the upper right hand side and search for the yay you'll find us for android users download the soundcloud app or just go on soundcloud.com search for the yay and you'll find us too the yay was created by theater people for theater people if you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook. We'll take it from there. And that's it. Talk to you later. We are out.